Hey, it's Lane from Taipei, Houston, and you're listening to The Itch. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And uh, this week, we're scratching the itch to take a breather. Because (laughs) all year, we've been interviewing people. All year. (laughs) The pace is barely sustainable. (laughs) And we haven't been seeing shows. We have done enough interviews for every week of the year so far. Yes. Yeah. So there, And those aren't done, for the record. But we are going to take a quick pause and do a concert review. We haven't done the Itch on Tour for since last year. And as such, it was time. To be fair, there really hasn't been a concert to review since last year. Sure. I mean, besides Shipwrecked. Right, which, again, the debate rages whether that's 40 concerts or one concert. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know the answer. I'm not going to give it any more thought. (laughs) Or at at least five. Sure. Yeah, a day, each one per day. I'll go for that. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Me and Casey got a chance to go see a show at the Delmar Hall, and it was Taipei Houston opening for Narrowhead, and the headliner was White Reaper. Yep. And we were first connected to Taipei Houston a few months back. Episode 125, if you want to check that out, is an interview we did with Lane and Miles Ulrich of Taipei Houston. And uh, they were swell guys, and we decided, well, we're definitely going to see them live whenever they come through town. And so we did. The itch yeah. makes good on promises. Yeah, yeah. and that's I, that's exactly the point I wanted to make, too, is that we told them in the interview that we were going to go see them, and, and we made well on our promise. So Yeah. The milkshake offer still stands. It was not fulfilled, but that was more due to, you know, travel's difficult yeah. for a band. Travel logistics wasn't having it there. Maybe another time. And plus, we didn't really make it there quite early enough either. I mean, well, we that's made it on there, y'all. Well, no, we made it there on time for the show, which we were kind of worried about, but that wasn't an issue. Yeah, due to unforeseen, we'll just call it unforeseen circumstances, plans changed and my wife wasn't able to make it. So she had to stay home and watch the kids. And we also had like a birthday party, like a kid's birthday party earlier in that day that I was like supposed to leave the kids at. But Change, you know, plans change. You, you roll with the punches, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Hannah was actually looking forward to seeing White Reaper. Like, we had, you know, typically listened to a lot of the music ahead of time, you know, just kind of preparing for what we're going to see. And that was the band that she really liked. Their newer stuff, I will say. Um, the, their older stuff, not so much, but the, the newer stuff a lot. It's worth noting, and we'll get more into this after the concert review, I think. But White Reaper just put out their fourth album, January 27th. It's called Asking for a Ride. And Narrowhead just put out their third album. It's called Moments of Clarity on February 10th. So all of these bands have had albums in the last five, six months, whatever. I don't remember when Taipei came out, but either way. September or so. September, October, somewhere in there. I think that's cool that Hannah liked them. I want to hear more about this as we go through. Yeah, and she also was a fan of Taipei Houston as well. So she was looking forward to the show and not able to make it. So I felt bad. But like I said, roll with the punches. Have we reviewed a show from Delmar Hall yet? Or is this the first one for the itch? I have. Yeah, Des Rocks. Des Rocks. Okay, Des was at Delmar. Gotcha. But it's the ones I miss being outside of St. Louis. Yeah, that was solo, though. So that was just me. Yeah. And that's the first time I've been back to Delmar Hall in years. I think the last show that I've seen there was like Hollywood Undead. I th- no, nah, wow. I think the last one 
that you because you, that was one of the first ones that you saw. Well, actually, have you seen uh, them I twice there? Because I, I think I think the last show we saw there together was uh, nothing more. Ah, right, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> that's one of my, man. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love that venue is because some of my favorite concerts have been there. Like that Hollywood Undead show was just incredible because it was so intimate and it was one of the first ones where they really kind of you know turned over to like becoming a rock band. And the Nothing More show was one of the first times that we got to experience the the Scorpion and just yeah. An intimate setting and that's that's one thing i love about Delmar Harbor. there's not a bad spot in that entire venue it yeah. reminds me so much of the old mississippi nights i'm uh, telling yeah, you yeah. it is like the only thing that i can remember and like I mean, obviously my memory of mississippi nights is, is 20 years old so <laughs> bear with me i could be completely wrong but i i remember like the different levels at Mississippi Nights, and that's exactly how Delmar Hall is set up to where they have like three different levels, and like each level is higher. Obviously, the top level is being farther back. Quick little side note here uh, based on the levels. Mm-hmm. So, we've made reference to the, the point a couple of times when we do these concert reviews. There was a little VIP section that had nobody in it the entire yeah. night. Well, no, the uh, point it had the point written on it or something. Yeah, it was was their VIP section. Uh, There were people at the there at the end of the night. There Um, were. I don't. I don't think they were from the point because there were these people that were doing this really odd, goofy dance. They were like trying to make asses of themselves. So I think (laughs) that they were like there. Like I don't know, trying to make like the point look bad. Personally, I just like because they were in their spots, like doing this weird, goofy little dance. It was I don't so- know. It was a little roped off section. It wasn't that large, but mostly there was no one there. Yeah, it was. All right, well, night. I almost note to almost, selves. Huh. Yeah, we almost just walked through it and just sat. There. Plus, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We need we need to we need to reach out and be like, hey, you know, if 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 your VIP section is open, can. If the point won't fill those spots, the itch will fill those spots. Now, granted, the area that we ended up sitting at was better than said VIP section. Oh, yeah, but... we had our own VIP. <laughs> yeah. There's the EVIP, the extremely <laughs> very. Yeah. Does that even work? Who cares? Well, again, we were set up. But we stage always go right. to the left. The left side. Yes. If you're looking at the stage, but it's stage right. Yes. I want to know one quick thing for context before, sorry, before we get too much farther in for people who aren't familiar, you know, we've made reference plenty of times that we're a St. Louis show. We, most of the shows, but not all that we see are in St. Louis. And um, we've, we've noted a number of the venues at this point. So, and also just Del Mar in general. Yeah. It's come up in multiple interviews and multiple conversations. Del Mar is a street. It's a kind of a little district that has a lot of hot spots on it, including the pageant, which is, St. Louis, basically foremost concert venue, I would say. Once you get past that level, you're getting into amphitheaters and arenas and stuff like that. But as far as just a concert club goes, the pageant is pretty much where it's at. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this. Delmar Hall is literally next door. Yep. And and under the the same banner across the street. Literally. Uh, Well, it's across like a parking lot. Delmar Hall is literally next to the pageant and basically acts under the same umbrella as like pageant junior they're all owned by the same person yeah so it's smaller but you will still get like notable and fairly large artists coming through sometimes if they just want to play i guess maybe slightly smaller venues and it's it's largely like similar as far as like 
sound goes to the pageant mm. for the most part. But think of it as like a wedding reception area. <laughs> okay. Kind of thing. I got to get to this place. As far yeah. as as far as the floor goes. Because it, <laughs> it does have some tiers and kind of ramps up and there's some little metal seats and whatnot. Which, mm. <laughs> by the way, side story again. We found our spots along the wall and Dan looks across and sees these little hooks underneath the table. And he's like, oh, no way. <laughs> he stands up and looks underneath and there's little hooks that he could hook his jacket on uh, underneath the little there, there's like this little bar area. And then there's this like tiny metal shelf that you can put drinks on. And I just rested my forearm on the entire night. All so. right. Yeah, it's it's a nice venue. Like, there, you know, the seats weren't too uncomfortable. Um, and I love the fact that I could hang my coat because it was better ass cold outside. But it was, you know, uh, it was oh, I'm sorry, dead ass brick outside. Yeah. Um, nice. And, <laughs> and, you know, of course, with everybody talking, the concert venue gets full. It, it it's, gets warm inside those venues until they obviously like what open the door or something. And yeah, it was weird. That happened a couple of times. Very cool. All right. So tell tell me about the show. All right. Well, once the show got going, Miles and Lane took the stage and man, do they bring it. They bring the energy. Lane was doing all of the crowd reaction in between songs and doing a really good job. Um, they they just bring so much energy. Um, Miles is like animal of the Muppets, more or less. <laughs> Yeah, that's, Wild that's exactly what I hair. told him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's just is he just he's all over the place. Like he's constantly moving because you know he's it's just him and his brother. So he they they have to make a lot of noise between the both of them. Yeah, uh, to cover the sound. But yeah, it was it, they were he was incredible. I love that. Yeah, and they they basically hit up all of their album more or less. The album was only like a half hour, if I remember right. correctly. So yeah. if they had a short opening set, and then they and then it, added their their notable cover. Yes, that's, that's all you need right there. They did. By the way, by the time this drops, uh, that no, notable cover is out. Oh, yeah. They mentioned that this was their first time playing in Missouri. Nice. <laughs> which they basically said during our interview that it, it would be the first time that they made it to the Midwest yeah. and played shows. So that was cool. And uh, they they played all the ones that I wanted to hear off of Once Bit Never Bored. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. They have good taste in set lists. Yes. <laughs> As the sun sets and Respector, just they bring so much energy when they're on stage and it sounds very similar to the album, which I thought was interesting. Well, you know, and the other thing I wanted to just kind of make mention, and we'll probably touch base on this as we go on, but there, <laughs> the theme of the night, you know, was energy. Uh, yeah. I will have to say that like type of Houston set the bar high. They and did. I don't know if the lineup order that they have it in is the best or was the best, I guess, decision. Mm, yeah just because of that said energy like you know narrowhead they they do their own thing they're on their own lane but their their energy is not as high as what type a houston's energy is or their music and their their fast-paced style so it just it was a little bit awkward when like 
type a Houston brought it, you know, you're all amped up. And then like the rest of the show kind of happens. And, and like I said, we'll talk about it more, but like the rest of the show happens and it's just not as, you know, it, they, they type of Houston had set the bar so high yeah. that like, I just was not, nobody else was able to match that. To, to kind of put it in a <laughs> different term. It's like you did cocaine and <laughs> then you're, you're just coming off of that high for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Because it did not match that energy at all the rest of the night. <laughs> so, on that topic, though, not that we've I, like I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't no, know I, I've, I, I've never done cocaine, so I, I have no not. idea. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that really is an accurate metaphor, personally. So, okay, we're just let, gonna assume it is. Let's just say sugar. <laughs> let's say sugar high. There you go. I like it. That's much <laughs> <All right>. better. <laughs> probably I like probably that done that. <laughs> yes i definitely have so so but sticking with the topic of energy um how do you feel the crowd responded to them i know opening acts kind of have a a lot of times at opening <sighs> after the show the venue is only you know half full or whatever and people are kind of waiting for their friends kind of standing around they're not participating very much honestly i think it was a mixed bag there was there was a good grouping of people that cheered after every song be- because they did so well performing, but I honestly don't think a lot of people realized who they were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing is like, you know, I'll give them credit. They're definitely trying to make it on their own and not go by name or anything like that. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they just said their first names and, and they just went out there and played their asses off. Um, Cause the, you know, like you said, everybody was kind of getting there settling in and stuff. And with it being some just kind of like an open venue at the time, like they're, was a lot of places to to see so i think that's what was going on is like everybody's situated and like so halfway through the set i think people started realizing what was going on like how like i think it was right during the cover song and that's when like the the crowd started tuning in his not not just the crowd in a reaction but like he was really good at talking to the crowd and getting that, that yeah. crowd reaction and and getting the the back and forth um because nobody else I mean, the, the, the third band had like a, a lot of banter, but they didn't really go back and forth with the crowd. Correct. Well, yeah, that's I, I think this is a cool experience for Taipei, because looking into both of the other bands, I mean, Narrowhead and White Reaper aren't bands that have really been on our radar until this tour was announced. Yeah. But looking from what I can tell on metrics across, you know, streaming and socials, like they are bigger, which means Taipei is definitely getting exposure as one does when you're the opening act. And getting to hone your craft a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, a couple of years from now, if they're the ones on that headline, you know, bringing some some other acts to support them. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. If they keep at it, I, they they definitely will. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed their live show because I know, you know, if I'm being honest, like we liked the album, but I think we liked them more than we liked the album at first. The album to me was a grower and it sounds like the live show solidified them a lot better. Uh, yeah, and I I definitely wanted to touch on this point real quick. When when we were watching some of their like live performances on YouTube, they've grown a lot hmm. since yeah. since watching those videos. Um, in 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 height too. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> have physically grown a lot since then. I don't know so much about that. However, <laughs> yeah, that. However, um as far as just getting comfortable playing in front of people and, and honing their craft type of thing and grinding it out, they're definitely improving. Very cool. Yeah. Now you're making me wish I'd seen them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that one 100%. Like, because I, I think I watched the same video and that they just look more comfortable up on stage. And I think even from our interview, because like, you know, when they were talking with them, they they said they were terrified. Like they didn't. Yeah, there was no terrifying you know part about them. They were he yeah. was cool as a cat up on stage and, and just like I, it definitely Lane too. like he was in his element, like he was very yeah. uh, just commanding the stage and just, you know, in the crowd, too, basically. Right. All right, so let's get to the the Beatles cover. And it was funny because they're like, do you like loud music? And then the crowd cheers. Do you like the Beatles? And then the crowd kind of cheers. Well, this, <laughs> is this, this is this next thing. <laughs> let's see if you can figure out what Beatles cover this is. And then they go right into playing the song. And Dan and I are all excited because we know what's coming because we remember from the interview. But are we gonna are we saying it? Because I'm gonna say yeah. it, y'all. We're yeah. just gonna hold it. No, <laughs> go, go ahead. Their their cover of Eleanor Rigby, instrumental, mind you. Yes, is uh, actually the first thing I that I ever heard from. Them. I think the first thing they ever put out. Not not a full version, but like a little snippet of like 45 seconds or something of them playing it. They put that on their socials like when they very first came out, and that yeah. was like your teaser of their sound before they started releasing singles or anything. So I think it's cool that they you know, still and keep it in their set. And, and now what'll be, you know, in our new rock roundup playlist, yeah. like in the show notes, uh, <laughs> that track will be on that list because yes. they have formally released it as well. Well, and it not only is it in the set, but it's in the middle of their set. And I think that the placement of that is brilliant because like I said, people were filing in, but by the time they got to that song there, you know, it was pretty full. Yeah, it was. And so I, I think that it was just very well placed because then people are like, oh, I do recognize this. And like we said, they bring it. They had a lot of energy put into that song. You know, he's tearing the, you know, tearing up his bass. Miles, hair is fucking flying everywhere. It's, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I have video, which I we've posted this on our socials already uh, in a story. But at one particular point in the song, like not quite halfway through. Miles is playing the drum so hard that he snaps a part of the drumstick off and then realizes that it's broken. And then as he's still playing it, switches switches out drumsticks and doesn't miss a beat at all. It was, <laughs> it impressive. was, it was impressive. So And later gave that, that drumstick sign to a kid. Yeah, Aww. he did. He did. I want to make one important note there. You mentioned that Eleanor Rigby is in the middle of their set. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had some fun with the wordplay with the band name and how they're not from Taipei or Houston, or <laughs> they might not even be playing in Houston, which I think they ended up doing. Yeah. I also want to make note that their song, The Middle, is actually at the end of their song. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Someday, when they have more <laughs> songs out, I want that song smack dab in the center of their set list. Yep. <laughs> and that's where it should remain forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but they slayed the Eleanor Rigby cover and finished up strong. Um, so then we uh, sat and, or do you have any? Do you have any other things you wanted to touch on the the set itself? No, just uh, it's one of those things. Like we're you know they got us standing up. I was enjoying their set. It was a lot of energy. They had you know had me jumping up and down. It was just, it was, it was just like night and day from, from the next band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So Taipei Houston goes off the stage. It was kind of stuffy in the venue. And then they would open the door to uh, take 
Taipei Houston's equipment out. And then it was no longer stuffy in the venue because the cold <laughs> no, it was very cold. The cold air would come rushing in, which I thought was refreshing, but a lot of people were cold. I had to get my coat off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Chekhov's gun came back into play there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. So yeah, Narrowhead took the stage and we kind of heard a little bit about this band from some friends of ours on social media. And we listened to the album. They've been a little bit of a buzz, I would say a buzz band in some circles lately. Yeah. And they, I think, literally just released their album like that day or the day before or something. Yeah, you, you got you got to see probably their first show after their album release. It's kind of yeah. which in most circumstances you, would be pretty sweet, but you couldn't on. tell because they didn't talk about it. <laughs> uh, so. Just get into it. You guys yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. want to say some things about this band. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> un- unfortunately, as the, the saying goes, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Well, if we did that, this podcast would be really boring. So. <laughs> We're we're not going to completely bury them. Yeah, I wasn't planning on doing that. But <laughs> yeah, so Narrowhead gets on the stage, basically. And before you get too far into it, so Dan and I actually kind of got excited because there's five members of this band, even though four are listed on their Wikipedia. But they had the bassist, three guitarists, and the drummer. And we're like, oh, this should be interesting. This is a lot of people, a lot of potential energy that could match Taipei Houston. And then they started playing and they sound very pseudo deftones ish, but, but not with the same energy as deftones or Taipei Houston at all. Maybe one might say the just exclusively the light side of deftones. Yeah. They're like a very melancholy version of like the helmet and deftones. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It was just a very different set. Like, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't want to talk bad about bands and and it wasn't, I mean, for the people that like them, I will say that they were, they were true to their sound. You know, there, there was, yeah. uh, You know, I don't think that they sounded bad live. They weren't like playing wrong notes or something like that. They, they they sounded like they were supposed to sound right. They just didn't move on stage. (laughs) Yeah. The, the drummer was really good. The drummer kept my head bobbing most of most of the the time that they were on stage, but the other members of the band stood still all the time. Yeah, and I mean it could it could also be that there's five people and, and you know there's not a lot of room to move on that stage. So my my only suggestion is I think that if the singer would put down his guitar because when you have three three guitars your 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 guitar is almost pointless at this point and because he had good energy he had good stage presence and i think that if had he not had a guitar and maybe like was able to move around the stage a little bit more instead of being like stuck to a guitar and a mic yeah you know i think that they would just have a little bit more altogether stage presence but without that they were just five guys standing very still on a stage constructive criticism i feel like the lead singer, I believe his name is Jacob. If he, there was a few times where he was like the lead guitarist out of all of them and doing the vocals and it kind of suffered um, because it seemed like he was focusing on trying to play the, the guitar parts more than the singing. Yeah. And there was a couple times where he put down the guitar entirely and then did some screaming, which 
they he showed it the most energy and he did better at that that's why i said what i said because i you know i just think that if he was able to focus more on just being the front man yeah um I, I think that they they would have a little bit more energy and stage presence to them yeah and i here's the weird thing i don't know if it was the mics necessarily although I don't think that that was the case because that wasn't an issue for either of the other bands, but you really couldn't hear what they were saying. Like either, either the backup vocalist or the lead singer, you couldn't really tell the words that were coming out of their mouths. It was just, yeah. I also think that's an issue that, you know, we were talking about with, uh, jason and rashid that i i think that the dude had the mic in his mouth he was yeah. like real, you know talking like, oh, just yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah yeah at one point they stopped playing and he did the very few times that he did crowd reaction and he was not good at that either <laughs> i do want to take a note i'm going to pause this right here to note some similarities and differences from what you're describing from what i've been listening to in the album because I've been paying attention to this band as they put singles out. We've had a couple of them on our playlist. Uh, Moments of Clarity just came out. And, uh, you know, 12 tracks, about almost 50 minutes. The album does feel a little bit long to me. Yeah. But I will say that I, I grow in my enjoyment of it with each listen that I've given, which is a few now. Um, like, they definitely have, like, some... It's a grungy band, for sure. Um, combined with kind of what you're saying, a little bit of that Deftones, like hum kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And then a genre that I don't know if the itch has ever really at heart, like at all leaned into that is often referred to as shoegaze. Yeah. It's it, just, it, it made me think of our interview with Hunter saying, you know, more and more bands are going to sound like Deftones and yeah. this is that. Yeah. And it's definitely butt gaze. It's, well, and, and that's, uh, I was having this discussion offline earlier today. What's, what's funny. That's that phrase. Literally you talked about, Hey, this band comes up here and they, they don't move around. And it's like the term shoegaze literally is a reference to these bands that would come up and play and stare at the floor, the yeah. whole concert. And uh, that's, yeah. that's where it came from. And so like they fall into that arena where it's like, I, it made sense to me why you guys, you know, perceived a lack of energy Cause like, I know the style, like the general sound of what they are going for. And, um, I don't know how, you know, I don't know if my mileage would vary any more than yours or would be any, you know, greater than yours was live, but, and you noted how his vocals were more interesting to you when he started like screaming and stuff. Yeah. What's funny to me about the album is that he doesn't get for one. I think the album, uh, his vocals are clearer. The lyrics of these songs are fairly simple, but also pretty decent. Like, I listened to it uh, on Spotify with like the lyrics turned on. Okay. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I, I get what they're, there's some of the points that are in these songs. I, I can follow. I kind of like them. And also like the heavier songs and the most interesting songs are almost backlogged. They're like at the, most yeah. of my favorite tracks on this album are at the very end of it, which I think is wild. That's where most of the energy is. And it seems like a very strange place to store up your energy yes. for a record. And I, I listened to the album um, before we recorded just because I was curious how they sounded on recording versus live. Yeah. And I definitely think that they are a studio band based on what I heard. Okay. 
Yeah, no, you blew my mind with the shoegaze thing. That's that's exactly what they're going for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even think about that. Like I, it's, it's, yeah, that's exactly because like they, nobody moved. Like they all just was, were just staring there. Like they sang a little bit, and but yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was it was, and it was surprising. I guess yeah, I, and I and honestly, I think had you put Narrowhead first and then Taipei Houston second, it probably wouldn't have been. Yeah, so, that's noticeable. Like the, yeah, because I think like like just in comparison, like because it was just you were in a, you were on like energy high, and then you're brought down to this narrow heads, and then back out like with uh, White Reaper because they were they're very energetic, they're very funny on stage, but it was very reminiscent of a concert that I went to when I was a kid. It's Head PE, the Executioners, and Lincoln Park, and and for whatever reason it was in that order, and I remember like the Executioners came out on stage, which which was like four DJs after Head PE just slayed it. And like there were people sitting down on the floor waiting for Lincoln Park. And it was just like, you guys messed up the order. And it was very reminiscent of that Lincoln Park concert just because I don't know, like it just I, I felt drab. Like I felt like I could, you know, had we, we were in those seats like I, I it was Parkway Drive all over again. I could have fallen asleep right there. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not wrong. And yeah. that's also the trouble you get is like the the order of these shows is not based on energy level. Unfortunately, it's no, based no. on, you know, size. Size and, and, and Taipei Houston, and, yeah. as you noted, they seem to be trying to do things on their own rather than, you know, leaning too hard into their name and whatnot. And it shows because they are still a very small band to this point. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just kind of one of those things where, like, if things were organized differently, it would it might be more interesting. But unfortunately, yeah. it's just that's just what that is. People paid to see White Reaper the most. So they're going to headline and more people probably almost certainly paid for, you know, Narrowhead than Type A. So it's just well, what that, yeah. Yeah. So Narrowhead is done. And um, Dan and I were kind of standing, keeping watch, seeing if Type A Houston was at the merch booth at all. And because they said they were going to be there. Yeah. He said, he said they were going to be there. We weren't just stalking the merch booth. Just, yeah, yeah. 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 Just FYI. Yeah. And so at, at one point, Miles comes down the little walkway and I, we both see him. And then I'm like, right, I yell, in front of us. I, right in front of us, I yell at his name. He turns, shake his hand. And then it, he, he was being nice and polite. Like, Hey, how, how's it going? And then he realized he saw the logo and realized who we were and got, got more excited and like, Hey, how are you guys? What have you been up to? And then he he says, "Where's your third? <laughs> yeah, we're like he couldn't make it. Unfortunately, he's in Chicago. But I, uh, I really, I really was planning to try, but things have yeah. been a little bit weird lately. It just wasn't on the on the agenda. Yeah, but I appreciate that he remembered that there was three of us. He did. Well, and then my first impression of him is this dude's tall, like because I'm standing next to him in KC, and he's he's about you know up to like." Casey's eyes yeah uh, and so uh, he's good six four six five maybe yeah I, I'd say six and, four and wow. skinny to boot so like I'm I'm just like sitting there just like wow this dude just is and I even said that I was like wow you're, you're a lot taller than I, I realized and then he and then he glares at me and says you're really tall too yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah nobody it. realizes oh. that during the interview how, how I know <laughs> A lot of observations going on here. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was a nice little interaction, and we're we're chatting, and he he says, "Well, I need to join my my brother over at the merch booth," 
And then we're like, well, we, do we want to just walk over and, and try to talk with them? So we did. <laughs> and so uh, White Reaper wasn't quite taking the stage just yet. So we, we abandoned our, our seat post and uh, <laughs> yep. made, it, made our way over to the merch booth and uh, had to wait a little bit just because it wasn't so much that the line was long. It was the line was kind of confusing. The, the line was for White Reaper, who had nobody working their merch booth. Yeah. Is what the situation was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we have seen in the past, apparently, where people are just standing there forever. And like some dude's like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh here, let me uh, start taking your money. So yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we finally uh, get up there and start. And we, we shook Lane's hand and he was excited to see us, too. And uh, also tall. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> really feeding these kids in San Francisco. <laughs> yes. They tell Dan, like, oh, man, your guys' interview is one of our favorites. And and both of us are like, oh, man, that that really means a lot to us. And he's like, no, really, seriously, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe the amount of people that just read the press releases and like, don't don't put any effort into the chat itself. So that made us feel really good. Yeah, because we try, you know, we do actually <laughs> do some research and shit for our interviews. We don't just like wing it. Yeah. So we have to also tell Aaron's reply, too, because we, we sent him that in the text message. Yeah. And, and his immediate reply was like, ha, we don't even read the press releases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Which the one who's obviously a joke. We sometimes do. <laughs> I read the press release or at least half of it. Yeah. Whenever we get it. And that determines if I want to proceed any further with trying to book an artist. Yeah. And then when we plot how we want the conversation to go, the press release is irrelevant by then. Yeah. yeah. In Taipei Houston's case, there was no press release, actually. We just tracked them down and yeah. talked them into coming <laughs> this on is, the show. This is true. This is also yes. true. But yeah, we're chatting a little bit more. Dan got, got the signed shirt. They didn't have any in Dan's exact size, which was unfortunate, but also he just wants it signed. So Yeah, I'm not ever planning on wearing it, so <laughs> just going on my wall behind me. Yeah. And then um, as the tail end of this conversation is happening, White Reaper is taking the stage. and we But we still wanted to kind of hang and chill. But at one point, this guy walks up and whisk miles away he, he's he's talking with miles because i i wanted to get a picture because you know that's my thing and so miles leaves he comes back about i don't know five minutes later or so with a bunch of drumsticks and including the the broken one that that he did with the eleanor rigby um and so he's talking with this guy and i don't i couldn't really make out the conversation itself, but the guy had his daughter with him who couldn't have been more than I'd say like 10. Uh, I don't think she was that old. I think she was like eight, maybe seven. I don't know. But so miles starts signing the drumsticks and it was really dark in this area where they had the merch booth and they had the, the house lights dimmed. So uh, miles was having a hard time seeing the drumsticks so i took out my phone and i did the little flashlight gimmick and and then so he he kind of backed up and then 
<laughs> started signing and he could actually see what he was doing. So they actually took a, his, uh, his merch person took a, took his phone out and took a picture of him signing huh. with my, with my light shining on him. And then they posted that on their Instagram, uh, which I thought was kind of humorous, but I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to potentially buy a drumstick off of him, but then he, he signed all of them. And there were, there was like at least six to eight drumsticks and he signed all of them. Then he handed them all to the guy. And I was like, Oh, well, there goes, like, there goes wasn't my paying attention where he grabbed the, the drumsticks. And I'm pretty sure he grabbed the signatures on a couple of them. Like, he did. Was like what? <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah. It was like, Oh man, that's, you're smudging up the signatures there, buddy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. <laughs> basically the moral of the story for Taipei Houston is, as we talked about in the interview and in the, the outro, they are two of the nicest guys that I have met in the music industry in ever. <laughs> Very cool. I didn't have any doubts about that, but I am glad to hear that reinforced. Yeah. Yeah, they're super down to earth. Just really nice guys. Super down to earth. Very engaging. They're paying attention to what you're saying. Mm. They're they're thoughtful in their responses. You can tell that they really enjoyed our interaction with the interview and just on socials or what have you. So that that was very awesome. So yeah, and so basically, right as we were done taking the picture with them, White Reaper took the stage and. Uh, they were enjoyable. Uh, one of the things that I truly enjoyed about their band is that they just have a lot of camaraderie. 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 Are you the lead singer of Narrowhead? Yes. Apparently. <laughs> no. Uh, amongst the band. And, you know, so apparently I found out that they've been active since 2012 and they've had all the same members. And you, you could just tell that they enjoy each other's company up yeah. on stage and that's that's just very evident in their live show which made it a lot of fun it was because you know i'll admit like they're i'm not a huge fan of their music so to speak it's just not my thing it's it, like their early stuff to me just sounds like weezer you know their, their newer stuff i think is much better than their older stuff and i think they definitely played a lot of the newer stuff live and, and with the energy that they brought they just the, the jovial energy that they brought I was, it, it just made for a good show jovial is a good word they their banter in between songs was kind of like a comedy show. Yeah. It was, it was very interesting in that regard because at one point, I think it was the lead singer. I'm not, or it might not have been the lead. I can't, I can't remember. Can't remember if it was the lead singer or not, but he, he's like talking about a, a song that's coming up or what, whatever song they're going to play next. Or he might've said, what song do you want us to play? And then the crowd sort of responded and he's like, Oh, sorry. I have my in-ears. Uh, all we can hear is each other. Can't hear you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's like just talking shit to the crowd. <laughs> you know, I, this is all very believable. And I, in a minute, I want to go a little more into their album asking for a ride. I haven't yeah. listened to the stuff before that yet, but it's worth noting in terms of, you know, you want to know if a band has a sense of humor. White yeah. Reaper's first album is called White Reaper Does It Again, which is a great name for a first album. <laughs> <laughs> and their second album is even better. 
It's called the world's best American band. Okay. <laughs> the world's best American oh. band. So you gotta love a band that that has that like self-referential like yeah. humor going on. And so yeah, um, that, that made me want to look into them more. Yeah, yeah, they were just a lot of fun. I, and you know, you know, like you said, you couldn't tell if their stuff was planned or like a a skit that they had rehearsed. Yeah. Or if it was just like them just goof around up on stage, but because the, the other thing too is like they're they're bantering, bantering, bantering. All of a sudden, they just stop talking. The guy, the lead singer, is like, "And here's another song," and yeah, just right. start playing like this. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and then I, there's another part where they they're talking about drinking alcohol of some sort, and they're like, "Oh, you drink that? No, I usually drink this." It's like. <laughs> And then the one guy was like disgusted by his choice of alcohol or whatever. (laughs) So their banter was was very humorous. It reminded me a little bit of Real Big Fish in that regard. Real Big Fish is fantastic with the with the stage talk. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely. I don't think that they reached that point. But yeah, they they were good. You know, my only my only critique was that like their keyboardist, he, he I loved when he would sing in uh like in a chorus with the rest of the band. Yeah. But but like he would pick and choose where he did that and other times when he wasn't doing that, he was kind of worthless. Uh, just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's just like standing up on stage like dude, like I don't know, like headbang sing like that, that, I, I don't know cuz like that's what i'm saying like he, there was plenty of parts where he could have sang back up and he had a great voice and it sounded great when they did that but like there was just a lot of times where he just didn't like i don't know he wasn't even playing keyboards he was just like standing there like you know kind of sometimes you just got to vibe with the music you yeah. know yeah. yeah yeah it was it was it was awesome um but yeah that was that was my only critique is just i think if he could have sang a little bit more i think and just added that more of that chorus that they all had together it would have been a really good that choir effect yeah but all in all they did a really good job and um to be honest we we saw some of their set but not all of it no i think we left like two songs left yeah and we were talking with taipei houston for some of it as well but um we get a chance to see them here in a couple months at, at point fest. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe I'll make that. That's one. true. We'll see a couple of notes. I want to make Um, for one <laughs> to follow up on their humor. Uh, the band name, I've, this is a Wikipedia fact, so you can all, you know, look this stuff up on your own. The band yeah. name came from the two founding members. They are, were friends in high school, uh, literally saw an all white grim reaper costume at a Halloween store. And that was how they chose their name. So like, I mean, it's as good as any reason. Um, I also want to note, you know, Dan mentioned they kind of had that kind of a Weezer vibe to them. Uh, They've toured as an opening act for Weezer and Billy Idol, which I think is a pretty good amalgamation of the sounds for them. And I'm glad that you guys enjoyed this show because when I started listening to them, I was like, this is much more down what I would call my lane than either of you guys' lane. It would have been a lot more down Hannah's lane as well, which was unfortunate yes. why she couldn't attend. Yeah, because newer stuff is a little bit more punky. Yeah, so sure. they have a really interesting sound. It's kind of this like merger of like, you know, garage rock and and what I would call power pop and definitely yes. some punk. Mm-hmm. So what first made me take notice of this band, I looked them up whenever we discovered the type A was going to tour with them. I was like, OK, we got to figure out who they are. They just released a single called Pages which yeah. I thought was a great song. 
when the album came out, at first, I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed um, because I still think Pages was the best song. And so there was nowhere to go but down at that point. It's it's funny you say that because the and I don't have the track listing in front of me, but the opening track and the last track are the two best songs on the album and everything else is kind of. That's what I that's what I thought at first, but I will say that it is it also is growing on me more and their sound is as Dan mentioned, they do have some punk going on. There's a, you can hear a lot of different influences mixing and matching. Like I was just listening through it a minute ago. And like, I was looking, listening four tracks in a row. Uh, track three is called fog machine, right? It starts off with this like eighties metal, like go, go power Rash. Rangers guitar riff. Yeah. <laughs> and then the track after that, getting in trouble with the boss sounds more like something by like the police. Yeah. Funny farm is like a, borderline nirvana song and then pink slip this is four tracks in a row mind you is basically pop punk and and so uh, on one hand it feel, there's like one could argue that it feels a little scattered i would say that they their sound is consistent enough that those little touches make it kind of interesting yeah but they you hear there's just a lot of influence going on there and it's a fu- it's a generally fun sound so um, I still think Pages is the best track, and I think it's bizarre that it's the final track on the album because I, I I don't I don't know how your catchiest song should be at the tail end of an of an album. Yeah, but uh, the album's growing on me. The art of it is really cool. On asking for a ride, it's definitely got a little bit for anybody that likes just kind of upbeat, energetic, you know, pop rock music. So that's my quick album review to complement your concert review. <laughs> yeah, and I I believe unfortunately by the time this is released that this tour is going to be over for the most part. At least Taipei's part of it. I don't know okay. about the rest because it's in a couple of different wings, and Taipei was only on certain a certain chunk of the dates. Well, and as we mentioned, you know we're going to be seeing White Reaper coming back through town around May, so I'm sure that there's going to be other tours, other concerts that these bands are going to be a part of. And you know, if, if you like their, stu- you know, their studios, then you'll probably like their live show. There you go, most likely. And if you're in St. Louis, you can come see us and White Reaper at Point Fest at the end of May. <laughs> yeah, but if you get a chance to see Taipei Houston, I definitely recommend it. They they Do brought it. the energy. They were they were fantastic live. And they've been announced at a couple of uh, festivals, I've noticed. Yes, uh, they're they're getting ready to do a European tour um, here shortly. And then uh, they're, they're announced for, I think, at least two or three festivals. So good on them. Working hard for that. <laughs> those clicks, those listens. Yes. They'll get it. It'll get there. It's it's yeah. going to it might take a minute, but they'll they'll get there. I hope you've enjoyed our concert review of Taipei Houston, Narrowhead, and White Reaper. And thank you very much for listening to the Itch podcast. This is the Itch on Tour. And my name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, get out and go see a damn concert. What are you waiting for? <laughs> if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the Itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.